Today we bring our series Curious to a close, and we're going to talk about coexist, coexist. Now, that's a word that I, I think most of us would have at least a small familiar, we'll have a little bit of familiarity with that word. That when you look at it, the definition is just simply to exist at the same time or in the same space. Now, that's pretty simple. The same time in the same space. But there is something that probably we will find more familiar than just the definition, and it's this bumper sticker that you may have seen, and it's really close cousin, coexist and tolerance. These are things, these are, these are bumper stickers you would see quite often. In fact, I have seen them, and every time I do, I have somewhat of an adverse reaction to it. And I'm gonna, we're going to walk through that and explain why. When you look at this first glance, you say, okay, coexist, tolerance, that's, that's an okay sentiment. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. And really, on the surface level, there isn't. When you look at the definition, to exist, once again, to exist at the same time or in the same space. That, okay, it makes sense. But there's something deeper here. Each of the letters that, are, that make up the word coexist represents something. Now, there are different iterations of that, but let me just give you some of those iterations. The C stands for Islam. O for peace or Buddhism, the E for gender equality or science, X for Judaism, I, Wiccan or paganism, the S for Taoism or Wiccan, and then the T for Christianity. So when you look at this, you say, okay, all of these faith expressions, there are so many, and there are different ones if you look at different uh, definitions of this particular bumper sticker. And really the sentiment that drives it is just to get along and to respect each other. Now, on the surface, I would agree with that. I want to get along and I respect other people and what they believe. There's, there's no argument with that. But I think there's more to it. In fact, I know there's more to it. And that's the part that we have to be aware of as followers of Christ. And it's something called syncretism. The syncretism is the mixing, hear this, is the mixing of Christianity with something else so that it becomes a different gospel. The mixing of Christianity with something else so that it becomes a different gospel. And I believe this is exactly what is happening. It is a, a very subtle way to open up this door that all paths, all faith paths lead to the same destination. And there could be nothing that's farther from the truth because all paths, all faith expressions do not lead to the same destination. And so the creators of this have co-opted this word. This word is fine. Co Coexist is a fine word, but they've co-opted it to mean something else. And so consider this. I believe this is a diabolical scheme of Satan to dilute the gospel of Jesus Christ with sentiment, good feelings, the desire to get along, and the dismantling of absolute truth as declared in the scriptures. And that is, abs that is something we have to grasp. But I want you to know, this, this push against the absolute truth as declared in scriptures is nothing new. It's nothing new. This past week, there was a birthday of a person by the name of Friedrich Nietzsche. Nietzsche was a 19th century philosopher and cultural critic. He had incredible influence in the time that he lived and the time in which we live now. 
Nietzsche is still very much a part of the fabric of what we believe. And this is what he said. There are no eternal, look at this, there are no eternal facts and or as there are no absolute truths. It is that philosophy that drives what we have on that bumper sticker. But it goes farther back than that. It goes back to the Garden of Eden. When Satan tempted Eve, and we read in Genesis 3, and you'll see all of these scriptures. I'm not, they're not on the screen for you, but the, they're listed for you. And also in your notes on YouVerse, and you can find them there. Genesis 3.1, in the temptation, the, Satan said to Eve, Did God really say? Beginning to question the absolute truth of God from the very beginning. If you read on 2 Corinthians, excuse, Acts chapter 15, 1 and verse 11. So what we read, certain people were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised, listen to this, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. You see, it, it now is filtered all the way from the Garden of Eden now to the New Testament church. If, you have not, if you're not obeying the laws according to Moses, you cannot be saved. So it is the law of Moses plus what Christ has done. You read on in verse 11 of that same chapter 15. He says, no, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. And then you move on to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and then also to chapter 4. We've, we read this, in order that Satan might not outwit us. This is important. In order that Satan might not outwit us, we are not unaware of his schemes of his schemes. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, for Satan himself masquerades as his angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. You see, the adversary of your soul and mind will disguise himself. He will create schemes that will confuse and cause us to look to something like this and say, oh, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, and we go beyond just the respect of someone and we begin to fall into a trap so cleverly designed and laid out in front of us and saying all paths lead in the same, to the same destination when nothing could be further from the truth. Ephesians 6 and verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Colossians 2 and verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. While coexist may seem like a nice sentiment, there is more to it than meets the eye. And literally every time I see the bumper sticker, the hair on the back of my neck rises because I know what it's saying. It is an attack of the enemy upon the path to peace for you and me, which is Christ and Christ alone. James chapter 1 and verse 5 has kind of been the anchor verse of a series of messages. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. That's what Curious is about. Ask God. There are answers that he can provide for us to our curious questions. Pray with me. Father, thanks for your word. Speak to us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk about three things. Very, the first two are somewhat brief. The last one is not somewhat brief. Okay? So the most of the message is going to be in point number three. But point number one, the first thought, when you talk about coexist, we need to understand that the gospel, the gospel is inclusively exclusive. Affirm it. 
We need to affirm that truth, that the gospel is inclusively exclusive. Tim Keller, who is the pastor of First Presbyterian Church, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, said this, the gospel is an exclusive truth, but it is the most inclusive, exclusive truth in the world. What I, you know what I love about that phrase? Is that every one of us, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have been included in the plan of God. No one is outside, that, no, because of where we, are, well, where we come from, our economic background, our gender, our race, it does not matter. We are included in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's inclusive, but it's inclusive, but it's exclusive. And that is a critical point to understand and to come to grips with that statement. You see, in the Old Testament, God set apart a people, to give you an example, that were chosen and select and were exclusively his. If you look at Israel, here is Israel and then all the other nations around them. This was God's people. And when God created this people, he started with Abraham, and in Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 3, we read, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And listen to this, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. God created a unique people for himself. The Bible tells the story of this miraculous creation of God's people. Their role was to bless all the families of the earth by being the vehicle of God's redemptive plan. This is where redemption is. This is the path to God, was here. When you come to the New Testament, what do we, do? What do we learn? Jesus is the means of the fulfillment of the Old Testament plan. Jesus becomes that pathway to God. You know this verse, John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know what's fascinating about that verse? Look at the first two words. Jesus answered. Someone had asked him a question. The question was this, how can we know the way? That was the question. In answer to that question, Jesus says, I am the way. But he adds to that, I am the way, I am the truth, which the enemy of our souls has been working against that from time immemorial to destroy absolute truth. But Jesus put it to rest and said, no, 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 no. How do you know the way to the Father? I am the way to the Father. But not only am I the way to the Father, I am the truth. And then he adds to it, I am the life, the outcome. If we come to Christ, we discover that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. The exclusiveness of the gospel. There is no other or additional way to find God. Acts chapter 4, excuse me, Acts chapter 2, verse 21. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, there is no other name under heaven given to mankind which we must be saved. It is inclusive, yet it is exclusive. All paths do not lead to the same destination. There is only one way, Jesus. That's it. 
I'm a child of the 70s. The 70s is the best decade ever. It's just the way it is. And you have to come to grips with it because I'm saying it. That's just the way it is today. I learned something in the 70s that I have taken with me now into the year 2020. And it uses a few little hand signals that were kind of popular in the 70s. Are you ready? There's one way to peace through the power of the cross. Okay, so everybody do it. There's one way to peace through the power of the cross. One more time. One way to peace through the power of the cross. I blew it, didn't I? One way to peace through the power of the cross. And that is true. There's one way to find life, and that is through Jesus. No other way. It's exclusive, yet it is inclusive. The second thought in dealing with coexist as Christ followers, we should coexist without compromise. We need to live it. We need to coexist without compromise. Now, if you remember the definition of coexist, to exist at the same time, the same space, that's good. We can all do that. But if we embrace the desired definition of those who have designed this bumper sticker, then we're going down the road of compromise. And we're going to compromise our faith. So I want you to consider with me two ways to coexist, but without compromise. The first way is this, is to live unashamedly. To live unashamedly. We've already affirmed that the gospel is exclusive. That, that's, as a follower of Christ, we just need to acknowledge that. It's what it is. But we also need to live that without shame. And, and just, I'm okay with it. This is what it is. There are going to be those who will not agree with you. Just get ready for that. That's going to happen. But we need to live unashamedly. We need to not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is what it is. And it's okay. It's okay. Listen to this, Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. The good news, look at this, tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the good news that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. We should not be ashamed of that. Now, if the late Tom Petty can say, I'm not going to back down even at the gates of hell, I think you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, can be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter what may come our way. So we not only live unashamedly, but we also live peaceably. Peaceably. The holidays are right upon us. Are we going to have Thanksgiving and Christmas in 2020? Are we going to have that? Okay, we're going to do that, right? Now, one of the traditions at like holiday gatherings is this. You never talk about politics or religion, okay? Why? Because it's so divisive and, you know, people are going to get offended. And, you know, can we just, everything offends everybody about everything. I mean, it's just, come on. So, so we want to live peaceably. But I do have an idea for you. So at your next holiday dinner, if if you start talking about these things and you start creating all this friction and offense, here's something positive out of that. You'll offend so many people, your Christmas giving list will go down. You won't have to buy as many gifts. So there you go. You got a positive out of all. It's all good. I'm teasing, of course. But isn't it interesting that we have literally unspoken rules? Don't talk about religion or politics because it's offensive and it's divisive and we don't want to do that. 
You know, there is a way to have these conversations, but do so in a way that's respectful. You can respectfully disagree with somebody, and that's okay. And you can have a conversation in the midst of all of that. You see, God has called us to be two things, to be salt and to be light. We are to be an influence with those that we have the opportunity to have relationship, whether family that disagrees or friends that disagree. It's okay, but we can do this peaceably. So how do we do it? How do we live in the midst of all of this peaceably? Well, here are three ways. The first is this. Don't lead with contradiction. Affirm what you can. Now, this comes from Benjamin Franklin, of all people. Benjamin Franklin, this is what he said. He said, once another asserted something that I thought an error, I denied myself the pleasure of contradicting him abruptly. So let me just stop for a second. So here's Franklin. He's a brilliant guy. So someone's talking to him, and he disagrees with him. And he says, I denied myself the pleasure of just going right after him. I wonder how often that's our first response. When we are in a conversation with somebody and they are completely opposed or completely opposite of where we are, we immediately just go, we go after them. And Franklin says, I, I denied myself the pleasure of doing that. Rather, he says this, and, and he says, denied myself the pleasure of contradicting them abruptly and of showing him immediately some absurdity in his proposition. Instead, I began observing that in certain cases or circumstances, his opinion would be right. So what is he saying? He is saying, you know, there are certain points where we might be able to agree to create a common ground of conversation. For example, you're talking with somebody who embraces another faith expression. You say, you know something, I, you know, I might not agree, but you know, I'm glad that you're on a journey. You're searching. Well, here... Let me tell you how my journey has been. You can find common ground without, being, without compromising your faith. You see, this is so very important. The second part of that is that not only the contradiction, but tell your story. Tell your story, not just the big story of the gospel. The big story of the gospel, you'll have an opportunity to do it, but tell what God has done for you. What has God done in your life? Let me tell you, that's part of that conversation that you can have that's respectful. Because you are asking them, you know, I admire the fact that you're on a faith journey. Let me tell you about mine. This is what God has done in my life. This is where I was, and this is what Jesus did in my life, and I'm a different person because of that. That's your story. It's powerful. It's powerful. And then the third one is to be joyful. Show your family and your friends that your faith brings you joy. You know, one of the things that might deter people from following, the following Christ is just the way that we follow Christ. We just might not do it as joy-filled as we should. I remember when I was in college, I had a, a class where we had invited some individuals from another faith expression to come and just share with us their, kind of their theology, their life, and so forth, which was great. We had a number of those individuals come through. And I will it is one of those things that just is permanently stuck in my mind. They sat and they told us how joyful they were. I mean, just on and on, how, how much joy. But I'm telling you, they needed to tell their face they were joyful. 
There was nothing about what they said or their expressions that gave me the impression that they were really joyful. I wonder how often we do the same thing. That we just speak the theology, we just speak the experience, but we really don't allow the joy of the Lord, as Nehemiah would say, to be our strength. And that's what is recognized. In fact, that's Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Don't grieve, or the joy of the Lord is your strength. First Peter 1, you love him even though you have never seen him, though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with, glory, with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Do we rejoice in our salvation with a glorious, inexpressible joy? That should be so very evident in every conversation. So we can coexist without compromise. And then finally, oh, oh, one more verse, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. This is so critical. It says, do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. That is so very, very important. So we live unashamedly and we live peaceably. And then thirdly, we need to be dedicated in this pursuit, to, to the pursuit of your faith. We need to build it. When we're dealing with coexist, we need to be dedicated to the pursuit of our faith. We need to build it. This idea of the pursuit of faith is something that I reference often. It's one of those just deep, deep passions of my life. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says it so very well. Peter says, we have everything we need to live a life that pleases God. It was all given to us by God's own power when we learned that he had invited us to share in his wonderful goodness. God made great and marvelous promises so that his nature would become a part of us. Then we would escape our evil desires and the corrupt influences of this world. Look at this. Do your best to improve your faith. Do your best to improve your faith. You can do this by adding goodness, understanding, self-control, patience, devotion to God, concern for others, and love. If you keep growing in this way, it will show that what you know about the Lord Jesus Christ has made your lives useful and meaningful. But if you don't grow... You are like someone who is nearsighted or blind and you've forgotten that your past sins are forgiven. It is so important that we grow our faith. Two things. Grow your faith is the first. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. It is imperative that we grow our faith. I want to give you five things real quick. I picked these up from Andy Stanley. It was about 12 years ago. They're really, really good. Five ways to grow your faith. Number one, practical teaching. What, we, what I attempt to do on every Sunday, every weekend that we gather is to provide something practical that you can take and walk with on Monday. Not just something that stays here in the house. We walk away going, well, it was nice to be together, but I don't know what I'm going to do with that. My, my desire is to provide you with something that you can walk with each day, that you can take with you and grow your faith. Practical teaching. Second, providential relationships. Providential relationships. Proverbs 27 and verse 17 it says, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You and I need people. It sharpens us. It makes us better. The relationships that we have here on a weekend service are great, but every one of us need a life group. We need a small group of people where we can gather together and allow the rough edges of our life to be 
trimmed down and sanded down so that iron is sharpening iron. The third is we need private disciplines. This is the study of scriptures. This is prayer. This is fasting. You know, it is so very important to find those different ways to grow your faith aside from what happens on a weekend. I've talked about version often. Get into version. Read a script. Read one of the plans that they have. They have so many different plans available to you. Read through the Bible. Smaller plans. They even provide incentives for you every day to just keep you on track. Join me tomorrow morning at 7.14 for prayer. Do different things to grow your faith privately. Number The next is personal ministry. Where are you serving? Where are you serving? Well, you need to be serving the Lord. It is one of those, if you have a four-legged chair with only three legs, it's just not quite as solid. But when you have a four-legged chair, I'm telling you, it's a lot better. And that's part of what serving does for us. It helps us grow our faith. And then the fifth is pivotal circumstances. Every one of your circumstances in life will help you grow your faith. Sometimes those circumstances aren't particularly good, but they will grow your faith. In fact, C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pain. His, it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I want to read it one more time, and I want you to, I want you to catch the, the, the differences of this. Listen to how he starts. God whispers to us in our pleasure. The good things that happen, it's a whisper. Ready? Speaks to us in our conscience. When we begin to feel like, you know, something, something's just not right. There's, a, there's this voice we hear. But look at this. But he shouts to us in our pain. So when difficulties come, we just shouldn't dismiss it. We need to understand that God is still speaking to us. and he's, he's worried. So those pivotal circumstances help us grow our faith. Your experiences are incredible teachers. So we need to grow our faith. The second part, we need to know our faith. We need to know our faith. Such an important component in the pursuit of faith is knowing what we believe and why we believe it. Now, there's a whole bunch of different things I could share, but I'm going to share three, give you an A, a B, and a C. The first is this. We need to know how to answer the questions. There are going to be questions that all of us are going to face. People are going to ask us questions about your faith. We need to know how to answer those questions. Over the years, I've had countless, countless conversations. I can't even... I would imagine I've probably had thousands of conversations at different times. And to be frank, I don't remember all of them. I know that's hard to believe that I don't have them all committed to memory. I don't. In fact, I remember very few of those conversations. But there's one I remember very, very distinctly. Marcy and I had just started in youth ministry. And I was at a youth service. We were doing, a, doing what we typically do on a Wednesday night. There was a young Muslim teenager who had visited that night. And he had some very good questions for me. And honestly, I didn't do particularly well. And that has haunted me to this day, that I didn't answer well. Now, I don't know if that prompted me to learn. It probably did. But I will tell you, over, that, over the decades now, I'm better equipped to answer than I've ever been. But you know something? 
Some of us are, some of us are thinking right now, I say, Gary, I, I can't do that. I don't have your background. I don't have your training. I don't have your this or that or whatever. Push me away from the thing. There are so many resources available to you today to help you answer those questions. And I'm going to give you one acceptable answer. You ready for this? I don't know, but I will find out. Let's get together again and have coffee and talk more about it. You see, they're available to you. Let me give you two websites. Number one is crossexamined.org. Crossexamined.org. Dr. Frank Turek. It is a great website. Lots of resources, incredible videos of him confronting different questions that people ask about everything. They're available to you. And then equip.org. These are, again, a great website that will help you answer some of the questions, provide you the resources. We need to know the answers when people are asking. Listen to what Peter said. In your hearts, revert Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with what? Gentleness and respect. So you go back to what Ben Franklin said. Oh, I don't believe that. I'm a, you know, no, 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 no. Hey, okay, I, I appreciate it. I may not have the answer right now, but listen, let's do this. Can we get back together and have coffee again? And, and I'll, do some, I'll do some looking and we'll, we'll talk more about this. Remember, it is more about a journey of faith with folks than it is closing the deal. Have, have the journey. Take the journey. Take up the conversation. Be willing to learn and to grow and to have an answer. The second is the B. Know the basics of your faith. And you say, well, what is that? What are the basics of my faith? Well, let me, let me suggest five. Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time with them, but actually they came out of the Protestant Reformation. The Protestant Reformation goes all the way back to the, to the 16th century. Martin Luther, John Calvin, those would be principal individuals of Protestant Reformation. It radically changed the landscape of faith, all right? Out of the Protestant Reformation came five things. They're called the five solas of the Reformation. Five solas. Solas is just a, a Latin word that essentially means alone. Okay, that's what it is. And so here are the five things, the five things that you can focus on alone as kind of the basics of faith. Are you ready? Here we go. Here we go. Real simple. Faith alone. The righteous will live by faith. Grace alone. By grace you have been saved. Christ alone. There is no other name. Scripture alone, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And number five, to God's glory alone. Do everything to the glory of God. Those are five basic things that you can focus on. Remember just one verse, if you can remember this verse. For by grace you have been saved through faith. You've got two of them right there. There's no other name, we just read it in Acts chapter 4. There's no other name given under heaven where we will be saved. It's the name of Jesus. So you've got it. Scripture alone. It's the authority by which we base everything. So those five things are basics to our faith. And then we need to know, number the C is know certain verses. Know certain verses. You say, what do you mean, Gary? I don't know that we do all that well with memorizing Scripture. We don't maybe emphasize it as we probably should. But there are certain verses in Scripture that are really so important to memorize. I'm going to give you just a few, okay? And it's really difficult to... I just grabbed a few, all right? So there's so many more. Uh, 
First is Proverbs 3, verse, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in every way, in all your ways, acknowledge him in what? He will direct, he will make your paths straight. So great, great verses. You need to commit it to memory. Here's another one. Here's another one. And I've listed them for you. John 3.16. Okay? All of us, as followers of Christ, should know John 3.16. Amen? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I mean, that's as good as it gets. Well, let's go on. Let's go down the Roman road. This is a, this is a plan that was put together many, many years ago. The Roman road starts at Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10. There is no one righteous, not even one. See, the Roman road helps you lead someone to faith. If you get into a place where you're saying, you know, so I'm a person is ready to embrace faith. Well, what do I do at that point? Do I just pray with them? Well, yeah, you can pray with them, but here is a scriptural way that you can just walk them through it, and you can put yourself into that conversation. Because when you say there is no one righteous, not even one, they might look at you and say, does that mean you too? And you go, absolutely, that means me too. We are on common ground. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 it, it follows it up, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5 and verse 8, but God demonstrates his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's not our merit. And then you go on a little bit farther, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you see it? And then Romans 10 and verse 9, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There it is. You have just led a person through the entire plan of salvation, focusing on that which is most important. And then let me give you one more, or two more, two more. i got to give you two more. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved and through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, lest anyone would boast. And then 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. People, friends, family, listen. We've got to know certain verses. We need to get into God's word. We need to let God's word just overwhelm our spirits. Memorize, memorize these certain verses. So those three things are really simple ways Simple ways to know your faith. Once again, know how to answer the questions. Know the basics of your faith and know certain verses. So as we close this morning, I have one final thought for you. Here it is. Here it is. We should coexist, but we should never coexist. Does it make sense? We should coexist, but we should never coexist. There's one way to peace through the power of the cross. It's Jesus. Father, thank you for your word to us this morning. Help us, oh God. As people are curious, as they are trying to navigate faith in so many ways, in so many different pathways, and then the adversary, the enemy, is throwing these tempt tempting things that seem good, that seem right, and then purporting a lie that all paths lead to one destination. God, help us. Help us to, to coexist 
but to do so, Lord, in a way that we live unashamedly of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we embrace the exclusive nature of the gospel. We live peaceably. Lord, that we, we're growing our faith, that we know our faith, that we coexist without compromise. Help us, God. We need you to do that. But Lord, I also pray that those of us in the room today that may not have a complete and real relationship with Jesus, I pray today maybe we would make that step of faith. We would embrace you as Lord and Savior. We thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for that. We give you all the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Stand with me if you